You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and thank you very much for joining us here again today. Well, I'll tell you what, today we are going to be talking about preparing for winter. It is definitely coming now. Here we are in October, and, you know, this is a great reminder for all of us. However, for some of our listeners, this is going to be their first winter living somewhere with the freezing temperatures that we have here in Idaho and eastern Oregon. And for others, it's going to be the first winter that they've owned an RV or maybe even owned a home with a sprinkler system. And so we're going to be talking about what the freezing temperatures can do and what kind of damage they can cause in our sprinkler systems, in our RVs, and a few of our other places where we run water during the summer. And and really, this is true for anything that has water in it, but the biggest culprits generally are our sprinkler systems and our RVs. And if we don't properly winterize these two crucial items right now, when we get uh, to the spring, we could wind up with a bad, bad surprise. I can just imagine getting set up in your trailer at your favorite campsite on Memorial Day weekend and thinking everything was perfect and then turning on the water, turning on the pump and having it spray out somewhere because something you know, broke over the winter because of frozen water. So we don't want that to happen to anybody. So today we're going to have on Doug Kinsey, and he is coming to us from Personal Touch Yard Care down in Jerome in the Magic Valley of Idaho. And he owns Personal Touch Yard Care and has a ton of expertise in blowing out sprinklers, taking care of sprinkler systems, and even some with RVs and farm applications for this. So we're going to have him on to talk all about this coming up here in just a moment. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. I I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us. I caught you right in the middle of a fence building project, didn't I? (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I uh, year they keep us pretty busy. Yeah, it's a busy time of year, and you know we're supposed to be getting our first kind of fall weather coming in uh, tomorrow. I guess as we record this, and so probably people are starting to light up the phones now, going, "Oh boy, it's coming!" Yes, they are. The phones ringing off the hook for the winterizations of the sprinkler system. Well, that's what we're going to talk all about today. And as I mentioned in the intro, you know, there's there's going to be people that this will be a nice reminder for. And there's going to be other folks listening to us who this is going to be their first winter living somewhere where the ground freezes, where they've got to be concerned about that. Or or for other people, the first winter where they've owned a home and they have a sprinkler system or they have an RV or something like that. So there's a lot of people to kind of remind and educate about this. And what we should probably do is start off by talking about the bad and then we'll kind of go into, well, here's the good news. This can be prevented. So I wanted to ask you, in your experience, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, Doug, I actually want to start off by just having you introduce yourself to everybody. Kind of tell us what you do and who you are and, and what your company does. I'm Doug Kinsey. I own Personal Touch Shard Care out of Jerome. And with my company, I mostly take care of lawn maintenance and some sprinkler repair during the summer months. And then in the winter, we always blow the sprinklers out for anybody interested in having us do it. And uh, then come spring, we help start them up and uh, do the backflow test. And I'm sorry, I should have done that right off the bat. But I mean, that's important for everybody to know because you are the professional down in your area there in Jerome and in the Magic Valley who 
if people call when they've got troubles with their sprinkler systems and, and things like that. Yes, I am one of many, yes, sir. <laughs> well, there needs to be many because there's a lot of yards and uh, many more coming in down there in the Magic Valley, aren't there? Yes, there is. We're uh, doing new installs as we speak. We're taking a break so that we can uh, do the interview, but we have a couple that are we're actually getting ready to install this fall before the snowfly. Well, like I was saying, let's start off talking about the bad. So when spring rolls around, when things start to get thawed out and people go out there and they want to kick on their sprinklers and they want to start watering their lawns, do you generally get a lot of calls for repairs of damage that's occurred over the winter? Quite a significant number. The people, like you said, that are just new to the area or uh, some of them may have even been on vacation and forgot all about it. You know, like some of the snowbirders and stuff like that, they leave and they forget about their sprinkler system. They come back in the spring, fire it off, and they have frozen backflows, uh, frozen pipes, frozen sprinkler heads. So there is quite a significant uh, repair request come spring. So, Doug, in the spring when, when people are making these calls to you, what kind of damage do you normally see when you get out and you look at their system? Usually a head's been frozen and broken. Occasionally some of the sprinkler pipes. As I'd mentioned earlier, there's what they call the backflow device. There's there's a couple of different designs. The one that we run into the most problem with are what they call the PDB, which are the ones that are above ground, and they freeze pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, the double checks, which are down in the ground, don't freeze as easy, but we do have some uh, issues with that, but it's usually the sprinkler heads or something along those lines. And when a repair is needed, when something like this has happened, I mean, how costly can that be for folks? Depending on the significance of the, the freeze, you know, it can get up in the $100 ranges. It can, uh, you know, if there's uh, issues down in the ground where we have to dig it all up and everything, it can be quite significant in the financial side of it. So what we're dealing with is anything that we're doing during the summer where we're using water and we have it in a system like a sprinkler system or an RV or something like that. We've got to get that water out of there or get it treated or something like that. So when we do get our freezing temperatures and we get our frozen soil during the winter, uh, it doesn't freeze that water, cause it to expand and break the parts that you've been using to to operate that system, right? That is correct. Now, we talked about digging, and, and it sounds like most of the repairs that you see are kind of up towards the surface. Is it like in an extra hard or extra cold winter where we get uh, frost line down deeper in our soil where you, you see more damage down below ground, or is it just kind of vary on where the water sits over the winter? It pretty much varies on the, the where the location of the water is, you know, because when we put the systems in, your pipe varies in heights and stuff. And so the ones that are like, especially if they're in a low area and the water's been sitting in that area, mm-hmm. um, it can freeze that section of it and split the pipe. And that's usually where we find it is in the low areas. Uh, the ones that are closer to the surface usually have a way to drain out. But the ones that are sitting down in basically a little bowl area, it just sits there and, and stays dormant. Yeah, so if your pipe down below the ground, if it's got a little bit of flex in it or something like that, it may kind of pull up some water and that can sit there and freeze. Yes, sir. So when folks are trying to reactivate their sprinkler systems in the in the spring, and obviously if they've got a broken sprinkler head, that's probably pretty obvious. They probably have a geyser coming up or, or something like that. But for folks who have pipes that are broken underground, how do they usually figure out what they've got going on? What are the symptoms that they see that help them realize, oh, I've got a pipe underground that's broken? Two, one is uh, lack of uh, pressure coming out of the sprinkler head itself. And then if it runs for any time, any length of time, 
Uh, you'll have a puddle in your yard, a really good soft spot. You know, um, mm-hmm. if you've got fresh grass, uh, the grass will get washed out. So that's usually the the quickest symptom is to know that, that oh, there's a water spot in my yard. <laughs> okay. You know. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about uh, what people should be doing this time of year to make sure they're safe and it all works good next spring. Perfect. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So DMB Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force. The line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. If you're like most homeowners, you have places where you don't want any kind of grasses or weeds to grow. Places like a patio, driveway, gravel path, or fence line. But here's good news you can get rid of unwelcome plant growth by spraying those places with Ortho Ground Clear Vegetation Killer. One application starts working immediately to kill existing weeds and grass, and it prevents new growth for up to a year. So keep your property looking neat and clean. Get Ortho Ground Clear Vegetation Killer today. Well, Doug, now that we're back, let's talk about what can be done. So let's start with sprinkler systems, and and I guess that includes the backflow and all of that, but what needs to be done to render those systems safe and operable next spring when people start to go out to start them up? Mostly just to put air through them, get the water out of the system. We call them a blowout. We hook our air compressors up to them. Uh, We blow the water out of the system. Of course, we turn the water off first. We have a main and drain, so we shut the main water off to the sprinkler system, mm-hmm. open the drain and let the water between the backflow and the main and drain drain out and put air to the sprinkler system. And we go through each of the stations, either through the valves or through the, the control clock, to make sure we have all of the valves blown out, mm-hmm. all the lines are blown out. And uh, after we get that done, we leave them in the off position and come back in the spring and start them up for them. So does somebody have to be like, take, for example, your company, does somebody have to be an existing client to have you guys come provide the service or can somebody call you and and have you come provide just this service? I have quite a few that are just uh, sprinkler blowouts. Uh, They take care of their own yard, they mow them and stuff. And then all I do is uh, the sprinkler blowout in the winter or in the fall. Now, are there any sprinkler systems out there that can simply just be drained? They've got a low point and everything will drain to that, or does everything need to be blown out? There are a few that are out there that um, have the drain in them with a low point. In fact, my parents had one for years, and then when we revamped it, we made it to where they couldn't do that anymore. I had to blow it out for them. Okay. Um, but there are a few that are drainable. I don't recommend them, even the ones that say they're drainable. I'd still recommend putting some air to it of some kind, making sure that open your drain point and then send some air to it. That way you know for a fact that there's no water left in that system. Sure. Now, down there in the Magic Valley where you're at, what is the the depth that the soil will freeze on a typical winter? Uh, you know, your best estimate. Oh, my best estimate. Uh, again, it depends on the season itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, it wasn't too bad. I think we only got... My memory serves, I think we only had like an 18 or a 20-inch uh, frost line mm-hmm. uh, the year before with all the snow and everything. We had a good frost line. I think it got down somewhere around the 30-inch mark. But again, um, I I don't watch that real close myself. Right, right. Um, I just go from hearsay from what other people are telling me. But yeah, probably about a 24-inch is probably an average would be my guess. 
And so with with most yard sprinkler systems, those pipes are going to be buried to a depth of what? Usually somewhere between 8 and 10 inches. Okay. So they're even in a mild winter, they're definitely going to be uh, within that zone of frozen soil. Yes. Uh, there's just no way around it. This needs to be done uh, living, living in a climate like we have here in Idaho and, and in eastern Oregon. Yes, very much so. It you know it's a service that uh, a lot of us will provide for them, and we do recommend it. You know, it it's a whole lot easier to pay for the service to get it blown out than to have to worry about coming up with the expense of repairing it in the spring. Now, is this something if folks have like an air compressor in the garage or something like that, they can do themselves, or do they need the type of compressor that that you'll tow around from client to client? They can do it with their own home um, compressors takes a little longer you know usually your air compressors that are at home run up to the 100 psi and uh, you dump the whole thing and it starts over again so you let it charge back up Mm -hmm. and then you dump the air into it two or three times per zone or until you're seeing air coming out more than water but the home air compressors will do the job it just takes longer okay so the big compressors that you're towing around that's done more so you can you can finish the job faster and then move on to the next location, get more done in a day. Correct. That is correct. And so is there a minimum PSI that people would need to make sure they have if they're going to try and do this on their own? Most of the sprinkler systems are set at the normal um, house pressure, so about 40 PSI. And that's the reason we use the bigger compressors is it's not off of the pressure itself, it's off the volume. Okay. You know, the home compressors, they usually run... Uh, I think mine at home is like a, a 100 CFN or a 70 CFN. And then I run a, a 185 for my, my sprinkler system. So I'm putting 180 CFNs through it compared to the home unit, which is designed for pumping up your bicycle tires, your car tires, mm-hmm. maybe running an air gun once in a while or something like that. And that's that's one of the things I wanted to ask about. If if people are going to try and do this at home on their own, if they make a mistake and they don't have uh, the different areas opened up for the air to come out, but they're putting pressure to the system, can they damage their system by trying to blow it out? To a certain extent, yes. Uh, you put too much pressure on your valves, you can crack your valves with just the air pressure. Sometimes you, if uh, you've got a weak clamp or a weak spot in the, the pipe, you mm-hmm. can actually blow up a hole in a pipe or uh, separate a clamp. And in some cases, you'd never know it until you fired it off the next spring with the water. So uh, it's really important for people when they're doing this to not run too high of a pressure, I would assume, and to make sure that they do see that uh, the water's coming out of those heads. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. Make sure you see an air and not water um, after you've done it a few times. Yes. And so once people start seeing or maybe hearing the air coming out with just little kind of spritzes of water or small particles is that about the time where they can feel assured they've got enough out to protect the system yes if you see it misting what we call it is misting Mm -hmm. uh, basically the small water particles or something that usually means that you have enough Um, obviously most of the sprinkler lines are the poly pipe or the pvc pipe and there is a little bit of flexibility in those and if you have a little bit of water, obviously water gets larger as it freezes. As long as you have room for the water to expand and mm-hmm. contract, um, you're usually pretty safe. Let's take another break. And then when we come back, I want to kind of talk about the way these systems are designed and, and what people should be looking for if they try it themselves. 
Okay. Get pro-grade tools at primo prices at D&B's DeWalt Tool Sale, October 17th through the 28th. Save up to $200 on select tools like the FlexVolt Brushless Premium Hammer Drill and Impact Driver Kit. Then top it all off with serious savings on the rest of the lineup, too. Power up your fall and make filling up your tool shed easier than ever at the DeWalt Tool Sale, October 17th through the 28th, only at your favorite D&B Supply. You work hard, you play hard, and you wear burn. Durable clothing that fits the bill no matter what you're up to. Available at your favorite D&B. Since 1915, Burn has supplied busy Americans with workwear made right, made affordable, and made to get to work. Whether you're earning a living or just living large, Burn clothing is rugged, comfortable, and perfect for the whole family. Pick up Burn gear at D&B Supply and be ready for wherever life takes you. All right. Well, Doug, I wanted to ask you about the design a little bit. And one of the things that I've noticed with the systems that I've had in the past is that where you turn the water on and off for the sprinkler system, there's actually another valve there. I think that's the drain valve, but I thought while I've got you uh, on the interview, I want to ask you about that. So there's two valves there on every system I've ever looked at. What are those and how do those operate? Um, one is they're called the main and drain. So you're okay. correct. One is the main on and off. And then the smaller of the two is usually the drain. Some people can hook. They usually have like a piece of funny pipe or something hooked to their drain. I've seen people uh, blow through them. Um, they're not supposed to blow air through your backflow device. Okay. I've seen people do it. Usually on a good install, they'll have an, another port on the downstream side of your backflow device okay. to where they hook up the air and then they can blow. And the backflow itself has its own valves that you can isolate the backflow so you're not putting air through the system through the backflow itself and so when people are looking at this area where they turn the water on or where they open the valve to drain the system they're going to see the inlets for an air compressor to hook up to in some cases yes sometimes you have to kind of figure out where it goes okay some of them are very obvious some of them aren't so obvious now, will all of them have some sort of a hookup to, to hook an air hose to, or do some people have to get creative with how they get the air injected into the system? You have to get creative on some of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, occasionally, occasionally, you do have to hook up to the downside of your uh, backflow device so that you're not putting air through the device, but you're putting air out into the system. There is creative ways. I've seen people actually disconnect their uh, backflow on the downstream and put their air to it there and blow the water out and just leave their backflow completely unhooked. We have a couple of customers that actually uh, take their backflow off in the winter and take it into the house because that's one of the most expensive parts Mm -hmm. of the sprinkler system. So you have to get creative sometimes. Uh, Not all, but most people that do it it themselves have figured out how to put a, a regular air chalk with a valve on it where they just plug their air compressor into it and do their thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, getting creative is a, is a good word for some of the systems we have to come across. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, you've brought up the, the term backflow several times. What is a backflow and why do we have it? The backflow prevents the sprinkler system water to go back into the potable house water, into the city system. And it's an EPA requirement on your sprinkler systems and the main reason for them is there's what they call a chemical or a chem gem where some people actually fertilize their yard with their sprinkler system 
And that was the main reason for the design of the backflow is so that fertilizer and chemicals that you're putting on your yard didn't get back into the potable or drinking water of the city mm-hmm. systems. And that's the reason that we have the backflow device. And there's multiple types. There's the double check, there's the RP, there's the PVB. And the state of Idaho has actually incorporated the new law to where any new installs require the PVB or an RP. The double checks are no longer allowed to be used on a sprinkler system. So without a backflow system, would I be understanding this correctly that when your sprinkler system stops and that pressure pushing the water into the system stops, it could siphon back into the city water or the well if you have a well? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. Now, I understand that there is some testing required uh, for backflow systems as well. Does that have to be done on an annual basis, or talk to us about that for a moment? It is an annual test, and a lot of the cities have uh, incorporated a deadline date. Some of them are just coming online with it. It's been a lot several years, but they've just really started in the last few years enforcing it. It's an EPA federal law saying that you have to have your backflow tested Mm -hmm. once a year. So for folks that uh, need to get that done, they can call a company like yours, and I, I suppose you're certified to inspect those or something like that? I am. Um, I went to the schools, and I am certified and tested them. Most all cities um, will have a list of the certified testers. So if, if for some reason they didn't want to use my particular company, you can always get a hold of your uh, city water purveyor and ask them, can you give me a list? And they'll just sit sit there and run down a list of uh, everybody that is testable in that area or that city or that community. And how do the cities monitor this? Do they go out and, and I guess, have people send in their inspection certificates or something like that? How does that work? We as the testers are responsible for getting those to the city um, water purveyors. So we'll take the test. We leave a copy of the test with the homeowner or the landlord and then we also have a copy that we give to the, the city, and then we usually keep a copy for ourselves for our own records so that they can't come back and say, hey, this one was never tested. We can show mm-hmm. them our copy saying, yes, it was. And okay. then we'll, we always tag our devices saying, hey, it was tested on this day, this day it passed. Usually if we test them and one fails, which does happen occasionally, they are a mechanical device, mm-hmm. so it does have a tendency to fail. Most of the cities give us a grace period saying, okay, well, it failed. You have so many days, and I hate to use the numbers because every city has a different number, but it's usually 10 to 15 days on average for us to either repair or replace that device. And, of course, you know, the homeowners are like, oh, wait a minute, that's a big expense. So that's the reason we have the grace period for it. All right, well, let's take another break, and then when we come back, I want to ask you about people who are actually pumping irrigation water into a sprinkler system and how that changes the winterization for them. Okay, perfect. At DMB Supply, we don't let anything bog us down because we have bog boots, the ultimate footwear for working outside in any weather. Bogs are made to face the elements no matter what. Mud? No problem. Snow? Plow right through. Water, make a splash. They'll keep your feet warm and dry in any season, anywhere you want to wander. With styles and sizes for every job and everyone in your family, pick up a pair of bog boots. Available now at your favorite D&B. Are you ready for a steal? Then stop by D&B to pick up steel power tools. German engineered, these power players offer quality that never quits. 
like the Steel MS-271 Farm Boss Chainsaw, available for just $429.95 with a 20-inch bar and chain. Show your project list who's boss and leave it in your sawdust. With legendary chainsaws, dependable trimmers, forceful blowers, and epic tools of the trade, steel powers through anything. Grab a steel at your favorite D&B supply. All right, Doug. Well, let's talk about people who are fortunate enough to be able to water their lawns and set up their systems with irrigation water. A lot of those people will actually run a small electric pump or something like that to charge their irrigation system and run their sprinklers. How does that change things when they go to winterize and get ready for freezing temperatures? Not much change. Uh, the biggest change in is we don't have to turn the main valve off now, you know, because they'll shut the irrigation water off and then they'll call us and say, hey, come and hook your compressor up. We either disconnect the pump or we'll, same thing, we'll have a place just outside of the pump that we can hook our compressors to. Then we blow the system out just like a regular system. And then some of them will take their pumps inside. Some of them, uh, we always make sure that we take the plugs out of the pump so that the pump itself drains. Okay. And then you can either cover it or take it into the house or whatever. So I was going to say, what do you do about the pump? But you can drain the pump if it's, say, permanently affixed to the location it's at. Otherwise, you can just haul it in somewhere where it's not going to experience the same temperatures. Correct, correct. Uh, most all the pumps have um, at least one, if not two, drain on them around the impellers so that they, uh, so you can actually get the water. It also makes it to where you can clean your pumps, you know, in the, in the summer pump and irrigation. Sometimes it'll get dirty. You can take one of your drains out and run your pump real quick and some of the mm-hmm. gravel or snails or the garbage out of your pump a little bit too. Oh, sure. Okay. Same with putting a filter system on at the same time. You know, a lot of the ones that have the, the pumps will have a, a filter system where and that's usually how we'll hook up through the filters. We isolate the pump, hook up to the filters, and blow the water out through the filter system. Now, you know, starting your sprinkler system up in the spring and finding out there's a problem is one thing, and, it, and it's an expense, and it's an annoyance, and no one's going to be happy with that. But it's it's not going to ruin your weekend. You're probably starting your sprinkler system up while it's still cool and moist, and your, your grass is not going to die. But for folks who have trailers, uh, travel trailers or RVs, where they're running water through that system, those folks, I, I'm picturing them getting out there on, like on Memorial Day weekend and, and all ready to go, and then they kick on the pump and try and run the water, and it's spraying out everywhere. They've got to winterize those pieces of equipment as well, don't they? Yes, they do. Um, a lot of the RV suppliers or salesmen um, have the winterization process or program set up some of us in the lawn care business we'll do a few of the rvs as well the biggest difference with the rvs over the sprinkler system is you use very little of the air and you'll want to make sure that everything is open you always open all of your low drain points open all of your faucets inside if you have one of the the outdoor hours you want to make sure all of those are open and then you just little bits of air at a time and make sure that because they have a lot smaller pipes going through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them are the little plastic pipes because they're not very much pressure. That's the reason when you do hook it up to like a city water or something like that, you always want to make sure you put your uh, pressure reducer on it before you run it into your RV. So you, it doesn't take near the pressure. And, and then once you get your RV where it is straight air, um, you always want to take uh, RV-friendly antifreezes and mm-hmm. put them in all of your p-traps um, your sinks your bathtub uh, your shower you want to put a little bit if you have one of the 
regular toilets in your in your RV and not just a straight RV door. It goes straight through and then lock it up for the winter and make sure you put a charger of some kind on the battery or plug it in so that uh, the batteries don't freeze on you. If they run dead and they freeze, then you got the expense of a new battery. So you always want to make sure you keep your batteries charged up as well. So for folks with RVs, they're blowing them out as well as using the RV antifreeze for those areas where water might still be sitting in there. Correct. Correct. Because like I said, you're not using near the pressure of the volume. So you want to make sure that once you do get mostly air out of the, the open porch, that you uh, make sure you put the antifreeze in afterwards. And then in the spring, when you start up, it only takes an extra minute or two to make sure you flush everything out. And you want to make sure you don't get any of the antifreeze put into your water heater because then it gives you the, the foul stench and stuff. So they usually have a, yeah. uh, a lock-off valve or a bypass valve for you to close that valve so you're not putting any antifreeze into the water heater. Let's take our last break, and then when we come back, I want to ask you about the timing of all of this and, and maybe any other systems we need to be concerned about, okay? Perfect. When cool fall weather comes, you might as well look cool, too. That's why D&B carries Wrangler, with jeans and clothes made to roll with the times for people who work hard and have fun. The defining Western brand since 1947, Wrangler is a true original, designed in the spirit of courageous individuality, just like you. With new styles and great fits, they're real comfortable, too. Get fit for fall and get into Wrangler jeans at your favorite D&B supply. D&B's got just the feed for every horse at every life stage. Purina Strategy. Whether your horses are growing, breeding, showing, or performing, Purina Strategy delivers the right density of protein, energy, and fat with less starch for more endurance and overall stamina. It's true. The standard in horse feed just got better. Our Purina Strategy horse feed now includes Outlast Supplement to support the gastric health of every horse in your barn. We'll see you soon at your favorite dnb supply all right doug well in our last segment i wanted to ask you about timing because here we are i mean uh you know we're in october now we're going to start seeing some some freezing temperatures and things like that but it seems like once we start getting into november and some really hard freezes is when i see people running all around to blow out sprinklers and it makes me wonder if folks don't don't actually call you until all of a sudden that really hard freeze is coming and everyone's kind of in a panic mode so when should people start getting this done Everybody has their own opinion of it. I actually start uh, the 1st of October. I do a few around uh, starting the 1st of October, usually around the 15th of October for the Drome Magic Valley area is when our uh, pressurized irrigation and the farmer's irrigation and stuff like that usually gets shut off. Usually by the 15th of October, they should really start getting a hold of the service to get it taken care of. So any time now is a good time. Now, I wanted to ask you, for the people out there who have either forgotten to call or maybe they were like on vacation like you talked about and they came back and realized, oh my goodness, I still need to get this done. If we've had a hard freeze or two, could that already have done the damage or does it take a sustained period of really cold temperature to do damage to systems? It usually takes a good couple of days. You know, Um, the rule of thumb is uh, as long as the water's still moving, your system's fine. So if you come out in the morning and it's 31 degrees and it's frozen the night before, all of a sudden your sprinklers are running. As long as they're running, they're mm-hmm. not froze. The rule of thumb is 10 straight days of never getting above freezing. That's day and night. 
I just didn't want people that maybe they had forgot to do it and we had, you know, a 22 degree low or something like that to go, well, I might as well not have it done now because I've already broken the system. But that's not too late for those folks. No, even if it has frozen, if you wait until the heat of the day and you blow it out, the damage is going to be very much minimal to where if you leave it throughout the winter, yeah. any damage that you did already have done is just going to magnify. So okay. the quicker you can get it done, even if you notice, oh, darn, I broke a head. It's already frozen and cracked. That's okay. One head's a whole lot cheaper than going in and doing 15 or 20 heads sure. and a couple of pipes and different things. So we talked about residential sprinkler systems. We talked about RVs. Are there other systems out there that we're running water through during the summer and the fall that I'm I'm not thinking of that also need to be winterized? Well, the farmers usually have their big systems, but they usually have a different program on that line of it. But RVs and sprinkler systems, uh, if you have like uh, an automatic uh, cattle water or horse water or something like that, you mm-hmm. want to make sure that you remember to turn your heater on. Yep. Um, some of them are solar heated. Some of them are electrical heated. So you want to make sure that you turn your heaters on. If you use your RV year round, you want to make sure that you keep um, a heat tape on the water supply and for the most part, it's, as long as you can use your common sense and, and see what you're using, then mm-hmm. you'll be able to take care of your systems for you. Well, Doug, this has been great. Thank you so much for all the information. I think it's uh, very timely. People need to hear this this time of year, so they're not one of those folks that forgets. And I really appreciate you taking the time out today to help us with it. You're welcome, Matt. Thanks for uh, giving me a call. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.